0: Welcome to the Weekly Exchange
1: This week in Forex and Strategy Game News we have updates on Planetfall Driftland Alliance of the Sacred Suns Endless Space 2 and much, much more
0: troy hey troy welcome to the show
1: thanks nate it's good to be here after a really busy week uh, how are you feeling right now uh i'm i'm uh, i had to travel this past week my grandmother
0: ended up passing away so i had to fly back home and i was there for a couple of days to console family members and you know just reminisce and then fly back and flight was delayed so i came in at like almost 2 a.m., and then had to go to work, and oh, my God, I'm so tired. But, you know, if if the, if the you listeners don't know, we're recording this pretty late. We're actually recording this on Monday night. So usually we try to record it earlier on, but not, not this time. So if there are any issues, apologies in advance. All right, I think we should just jump into it. What do you say? Let's do it. Why don't you kick it off with Planetfall? All right, so this past week we had... Uh, An official trailer launch, well, first of all, the release date for Planetfall was announced, which is August 6th, which is like right in the middle of the summer. And uh, as part of the release, they're going to be releasing it on the consoles as well. So it's going to be for the PC, it's going to be for Xbox, it's going to be Xbox One for PS4. So each one has a different set of pre-orders and like some you know like some costumes and avatars and let me see what else I have here uh cosmetic packs basically if anybody if anybody pre-orders you get this paragon cosmetic pack which comes with a couple of different things so it's it's interesting um i'm not really big on pre-orders myself not anymore at least but if it is a game that i know i'm going to buy as in like oh yes i'm buying this I might not play it for a few months, but I will buy it. Then the digital, like historically speaking, pre-orders were about trying to secure yourself a copy because they're going to be a limited run. Like they had to press the DVDs or CDs or whatever, you know, diskettes, I guess. So um, pre-orders were about securing yourself a copy at release. But with these games being digital, you don't have to do that. So... You know, I would wait if you, if a person is not sure I would wait until they are, you know, they see enough to be sold on the game, but you know, all that is all good. But there's the one thing here that I'm kind of like giving a little side eye and that's the season pass. Now I don't like season passes and I generally don't purchase them. But the one time that I did purchase it in the last couple of years was for XCOM and some of the stuff that was released for it felt like garbage. I will just toss it out there. As much as I love XCOM 2, and I'm a huge fan, and anybody that listens to this knows that, I do not think that the season pass was a worthwhile purchase for that. Now, again, for me, it didn't make a difference because I wanted to play it as soon as it came out, so it was a no-brainer. But for most people, you know, wait-for-the-sale kind of situation. So I'm wondering if Planetfall... Will have that too. Like for myself, it's a no brainer. I mean, I really enjoyed Age of Warriors 3. I am so hyped for Planetfall. So, you know, it makes no difference. But for anybody that is uncertain, anybody that is like kind of sitting on the fence, hmm, I'd wait. Just, just at least until we know more about it. And, you know, I mean, it is that. Speaking of which, there's also a, a little video they released, like a teaser trailer or something like that, that came along with the. Uh, august 6 reveal and i think it's maybe like a minute and a half long and it has this like three-way standoff between um three of the three of the factions the vanguard uh i believe the amazons and the kirko and like on the one hand it's really cool on the other hand something feels off about it like i don't know like the voice acting feels a little weird to me so i i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know i'll say it again i don't know Having said that, why don't you go ahead and tell us about Driftland The Magic Revival.
2: All right, couple news items for Driftland this week. First is that the very first story campaign is coming to Driftland, and it will let players uh, help this character named Emric on his quest to, to unite all the non-elf, that would be the human kingdoms, rebuild the planet. And in the final version... There's going to be four campaigns: one for the humans, and then one each for the different types of elves—the dark elves, the uh, the cave elves, and the whatever other elves there are. Cave the elves angry are elves. One, cave elves are also known as dwarves. <laughs> so, anyway, Field elves, right? Yeah. So, anyway, um, you can get in on this new uh, story campaign if you have Driftland already. You just have to enter through the bit the beta tab and enter in the password, which I'm not going to give out over this. I think you can contact the developers to get it. So that's coming. And also, uh, PC Gamer did a pretty nice article on Driftland: the Magic Revival, and were pretty complimentary to it. Talked about all the different features. You know, the um, the system where you kind of ask your units to go do things rather than order them to do things, and you can get them to do those things faster by paying them gold and this sort of thing and how you move the islands around and things like that. So uh, they're getting some good exposure there. Like PC Gamer is a legit uh, news outlet for video games, so it was really good to see them on that. And, um, you know, I think the development for Driftlands coming along quite nicely. That's very, very cool. Speaking of another
0: title that's in early access, Thea 2 had an update after being somewhat quiet for a little bit because they had a lot of things they're working on. They have an update and uh, this update is pretty big. They're adding in seasons and weather. They're making various changes to, um, like balance changes, which are very important. Now within the game, some of the most OP skills are strength of the swarm, speed of the swarm and ground shake, which are skills that come with goblin shaman so there's going to be balancing to that they're changing with the addition of the seasons and weather they're changing the food mechanics like food gathering so it's going to become more important that you have gatherers in your party and not just like you know a bunch of warriors with baskets and stuff like that which is actually something that i tend to use i i've started having more gatherers in my party because they can do more than just you know collect resources and um They're making you know balance changes. They're tweaking things. They're adding more. So they have a theopedia, which is it's it's they added I think in the last major update, and it's really neat. But there's a lot of placeholder art, and they're fixing it. And now another thing that I saw here is that they mentioned that they added two more child portraits. Now I don't know if that's to the already existing six, whether there's going to be two more. Is it human? Is it dwarf? Or, I mean, are they dwarf, elf, orc, goblin? You know, what's happening there? And now here's the thing. I think the clue for who they are is right. So listening to what I'm saying now, you you will realize I have yet to play it. I've just been crazy busy, but I will try to play it this upcoming week. So the thing that's really, for me, makes me go, oh, yeah, but it's hidden all the way towards the end is that the ice faction is going to become recruitable so that as that might look like there might be a sixth major race in the game and potentially so maybe though that's who the child portraits are another thing that they're going to be adjusting right now are the event spawns it's an issue they they've been trying to tweak it to diversify it and like they fix one thing and something else kind of becomes more popular they fix that and then another one so i think they're continuing to try to balance it so it makes more sense so you don't have like the same witch cursing your village turn after turn after turn after turn you know because that's kind of what happens sometimes or well, the same Kikamura trying to, you know, get all your, all the children sick or all the villagers sick. So, anyways, um, links will be in the notes. This looks to be like a pretty substantial update. I'm excited to try it, but I'm going to have to wait a few more days because um, I'm not ready yet to play video games.
2: Yeah, don't blame you. Not at all. So, we're going to move on to Alliance of the Sacred Sons. We got a couple things from that developer this past week. The first is about in-game help and he lays out sort of his uh, rationale for adding increased uh, help items for the player to his game and he says you know if I play he gives a shout out to Dominus Galaxia in his update which is really cool he says you know it's a, a lot like Master of Orion 1 and because I'm familiar with 4x games I come to Dominus Galaxia with a lot of knowledge of how the game is basically going to work because I've played a lot of other games like it. Alliance of the Sacred Sons, on the other hand, is... It it might appear like a 4X game on the surface, but it has so many more of the grand strategy aspects to it that someone coming to this sort of game might not be familiar with. So adding in additional helps and handholds for the player is going to be a really big priority for him. So one of the first things he's adding in is tooltips all over the place for every icon. And there are a lot of icons in this game. I've seen the UI. There are tons of icons everywhere. So he's adding in tooltips for that all over the place. And also I would suggest to him that he either get a copy of at the gates or watch a let's play of at the gates and see how tooltips work in that game and try to implement something similar because the tooltips in John Schaefer's at the gates are probably the best in the biz right now. And I really wish more games would do what he's done. Also, he's going to include a a larger help screen panel that's going to give players more information as they go. And he's including a vizier. And the vizier will give advice on how to pursue your current goals and agendas. Like You know, how this game will, you can kind of set a project for your planets to do. And you might not know what to do next. Maybe you're playing to finish a project. You're kind of at a loss. You can ask this vizier for assistance. And the game will give you what it thinks you should do next. Also, we got this week a let's play from the developer. That takes you through the first three turns of the game. And when I first saw that and then i noticed that the length of the video was 55 minutes i was like oh man it takes 55 minutes to play three turns in this game and that's not it at all Uh, the developer does an excellent job of going through each screen in the game and explaining what all the different parts of it means he also spends a lot of time explaining where development steps are going to be next so you might pull up a screen and say all right Right here, you see a couple of buttons and then a lot of blank space. Well, all these blank spaces are going to be filled in later, and here's what I'm going to do with that. So you get a really thorough, in-depth look at where the game stands right now in its development and where the developer plans to go in the future with it. And and it's looking very polished. I like the UI. It's nice and clean.
0: Absolutely. And that's high praise to John Schaefer's At The Gates, by the way, when you're saying that it has... Some of the best, if not the best tool tips right now in the business because it's there's some good stuff out there, so it's uh you know it's a nice compliment okay, moving on uh this past week galactic civilizations three retribution came out Retribution. this is what this appears to be the final expansion for galactic civilizations three and part of this expansion i mean we've been talking about it week in week out, but one of this part of this expansion it's um A somewhat rework of the supply ship mechanic um, and a a reintroduction or introduction of hyper gates, which will speed up travel in the on the map, because the way the map works, you don't have hyper lanes, you don't have um, star lanes, don't have anything. It's just free travel everywhere, old school, and sometimes traversing. And it's based on fuel, too. So if you don't have enough fuel, you're not going far. So um, this can slow down the game a lot and what they did with the hypergates is basically they're creating freeways or you know shortcuts between own systems or maybe a system that has a hypergate so there's that uh a total rework of the technology tree and this is something that they did at the end for galactic civilizations 2 and it was fantastic and it appears to be the case as well for galactic civilizations 3 then they add the retribution campaign which basically has uh, the story for of 3 ending with humanity striking back at the drenjan empire for you know all the suffering they enacted and what happens at the end and Another And, like, another thing that they added were artifacts. Now, I don't know if uh, these artifacts are going to make a big difference in the long run. But it's, you know, something to add more flavor to the game. And the two biggest changes, the two biggest additions here are the Return of the Korath. And you have the Drath. And that's two major factions that round out the game. And you have, um, you know, I'm, I've been following the comments to see what people are saying about the game. And if you take away the people that are constantly trolling Brad and Brad Wardell, the CEO of Stardock and the main developer behind gas of Three, if you take away the people that just have a bone to pick with him and you just look at the feedback from people that are playing the game, they have some very positive things. Not everybody agrees on what is their favorite, but in general, I'm reading some really positive comments. So <laughs> one of these days we'll have our review up and we'll address this. We'll address everything else that came prior to this. It'll be a big reexamination of the state of Galactic Civilizations three because I really do think that they're starting. They're wrapping it up. They might, maybe they'll have another small DLC, but I don't think they're gonna have any major expansions for it in the future.
2: You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. I, I think this is kind of uh, the swan song for Civ Three, which is great. Uh, it's a mighty fine game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started off. Well, the early access was rough, launch was better, and then it got rough again, and now I think it's really humming along. Yep. So uh, we're going to talk about another Space 4X game, and that is Endless Space 2. And we have some really exciting news to tell you about this week. If you're not familiar, the last two expansions for Endless Legend, Inferno and Symbiosis, were not developed by... Amplitude Studios. Instead, they were developed by NGD, which is the company that originally produced the Master of Orion reboot 4X game a few years ago. So what Amplitude announced this week is they're teaming up with NGD again for the next Endless Space 2 expansion. So this is a a really big deal, in my opinion, because now The developers at Amplitude are going to be freed up to pursue the next game, presumably. And I think NGD has proven twice now that they're capable of producing good DLC-slash-expansions. We'll have to see if they can transfer that to a Space 4X because we all know Master Ryan, pretty good game. Not what people wanted. The two DLC for Endless Legends have been well-received. We'll see if we can if they can repeat that success for Endless Space 2. Now another thing that's going to be a little bit different about their development for the Endless Space 2 DLC slash expansion is that they're going to involve the community like Amplitude always has. The uh, Inferno and especially Symbiosis kind of came as surprises, right, Nate? I mean, the general public didn't really know about that, and I don't think the VIPs knew about it much in advance either, did they? Oh, I, I can't
0: really speak about VIP stuff, hence why well, there VIP. You go.
2: you're useless. Thank you once again, Nate. So, anyway, I'm gonna say that. So, <laughs> that, that, gonna, feels good, that, that feels good, no, man. That feels good. No, no, we don't need your input, Nate. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say that it came as a surprise because it sure did for me, anyway. Uh, they're going to involve the community just like uh, the le- the last few uh, Endless Space 2 expansions have. You know, how the community has voted on this and given their input and things. So I really like that. I'm glad that they're going to continue that tradition at Amplitude. And I'll be very excited to see what they develop next as their developers are freed up from Endless Space 2 work. I'm really hoping for an Endless Legend 2. Uh, I think implementing a political system similar to in the space two's politics, and then a combat that actually lets me control my own units—that would be really rad in an endless legend game. So, um, anyway, we'll see what comes next out of them. Nate can't tell you about anything amplitude because he's been gagged by <laughs> amplitude, and so I've been
0: let- bought, bottom paid for. There it is. I'm driving a Ferrari that has Amplitude <laughs> logos all over it. One day I'll post a picture on it, just so you all know. And then sometimes they take it away and they give me a Bentley instead for family trips, in case people were wondering, because, you know, that's how Amplitude rolls, you know. All yeah, the VIPs yeah. get Ferraris and Bentley. Actually, no, we don't get, no. <laughs> but I'm sure somebody will accuse me of that. So, no even so why, don't we, uh, why
2: don't we just move on to Stellaris and you can tell us what's going on over there. Sure. So Stellaris just released the console
0: edition for, I mean, Paradox released the console edition for Stellaris. And basically this is, um, well, you know what? Hold on. Today is, yeah, by the time you hear this, that version, that um, the console edition will be out for the PS4 and the Xbox. Now, if you follow, if you follow any gamers on YouTube, I'm sure you would have seen in the past I don't know maybe 3 days 4 days a lot of youtubers coming on and talking about people that are typically console youtubers coming on and doing like sponsored stuff for them where they do a tutorial or they you know talk about how the game is and everything like that so <clears throat> i'm sure you already know it. it's out there it's coming What's to me what's interesting is that the version they're releasing is based, I believe, on version 1.7, Stellaris 1.7. So I, I know, I know that like development takes a long time. I get that part. But I would have imagined that they would have released version 1.9 because I believe across the board that is by far the favorite version for most Stellaris veterans.
2: Agree 100%. 100%.
0: The most complete, the most stable, the most like almost like if Stellars 2.0 and on would be like Stellars 2. Had they left it in 1.9 and just polished it off and worked on some more on the AI and did a little things here and there, people would have been like, yeah, you know, this is good. So with them going with 1.7, I don't know. I mean, they're developers, they're the programmers, they know what they're doing much better than I do. So it's not for me to question them. And, um, Pretend I know something that somebody else doesn't. But I will tell you this. We did get, a, I guess, a review key or a tryout key for Stellaris for the console. So I will try to check it out. I'm very curious to see how it works because one of the major issues I have with Stellaris is you have to do so much clicking. It's probably the most clicky game that I have right now. So many windows, so many like sub menus that you have to go through. So I'd be curious to see what they do to streamline it for console because I cannot imagine that a lot of console players are going to want to sit there and go through menu after menu after menu. But I don't know, there are some sadists out there, so maybe there are. So I'll (laughs) I'll I'll report on it, you know, based on what I discover, you know. But uh, it it probably won't be for another week or two. So stay tuned for further. Stellaris console edition news from Explorminate.
2: yeah awesome well we're going to stay in the paradox wheelhouse here with Europa Universalis and this uh, I'm going to apologize ahead of time guys um, you are going to get the least tech savvy staff member for Explorminate trying to tell you about the most technological update I think we've ever gotten for a video game ever so I don't understand a word I'm about to say so just then, don't say.
0: So then, don't say. Just speak from your heart, Troy. Speak from your heart. Well, or my, if you, or I or from my
2: heart, I I would talk about how I find it disgusting that Paradox has married itself to Tencent and oh. is helping the Chinese government brainwash its people into unquestioning loyalty to the government. So, mm, so don't speak from your heart. We're not going to talk try. about my heart. We're going to talk about technical crap for. Universal Europa 4, whatever the heck it's called. <laughs> so anyway, what basically is happening is uh, Apple is essentially ending its support for 32-bit apps or programs, And that's going to force Paradox, who has held on to its 32-bit architecture for its Clausewitz engine now for way longer than it probably should have, uh, to convert to 64 bits. This is good for everybody. A 64-bit engine uh, is going to allow games to run faster. It's going to allow them to compute more things simultaneously, although not so much for all of Paradox's games because they go into a lot of detail here. They're like, for our AI, we kind of have to perform these calculations in order because uh, our AI is deterministic in other words it's going to look at this issue then this issue then this issue then this last issue and then make a decision on what it should do next so it's not going to be able to use uh, like the multi-core processors in the same way that maybe um Civ 3 does where it, it it almost spreads all the work across the different cores evenly if you ever watch like how your cores are being used while playing Gal Civ 3 it, it's pretty amazing just how the game spreads things out so evenly. But what it also means is that the games, especially games like Stellaris, which would really kind of grind at the end, will process turns more quickly, uh, especially once they finish converting all these games over to 64-bit. That's about all I can tell you. We're going to link a thing in the show notes that will explain it better than I just did, because... Most of this, I don't even know what it means. Uh, I have to get help just downloading an app. I learned last week what Instagram was. So, yeah, this is, this is really not my thing. And my apologies for having to report on it. I did the best I could.
0: <laughs> well, you know, out of everything you said that wasn't coming from your heart, the, to me what was really interesting, well, what's interesting I think to a lot of people is that they usually denigrate Apple. And here's the one time where Apple did something that will benefit PC players by forcing Paradox to go from a 32 bit format to a 64 bit format for their games. So, you know, that's, I find that really interesting. All right. Well, with that, that wraps up the major news items. And I would like to discuss this week's item, which for, which is called Starpoint Gemini three. This is our what is game of the. this week and starpoint gemini is we've we've had coverage for it in the past we've done stuff for warlords which was an update on starpoint gemini 2 it was like a standalone expansion for starpoint gemini 2 and basically starpoint gemini 3 is a open world game set in space single player rpg or should i say an open world rpg or open world space rpg Single player or something like that. I, I'm not sure how to um, explain it better, but basically, it is it is as close as an RPG has gotten to a 4X of late. I mean, we've had other ones that skirt the you know the borders between the two, but this one with Warlords, especially, did a lot of stuff that 4X games tend to do. That this is not a 4X; it is an RPG game. It is there's a lot. There's a it's it's got fantastic graphics. It's got a lot of versatility. You can captain anything from something small to, I believe, in um, Starpoint Gemini Warlords, you could do like a space station even, you can control sectors, so I'm going to go ahead and assume that you're going to be able to do something to that extent in Starpoint Gemini 3, so click on the notes, check it out, we really liked Starpoint Gemini 2, we really liked Warlords, so, you know, maybe this will be, if you haven't jumped in before, maybe this will be the game that gets you pulled in. Okay, so this week's YouTube rant has many layers to it. And like an onion, we can spend weeks peeling it to get to the core of it, and we won't. But I will focus on three things, and one of them I will skim over a little bit. So, number one, um, about, I think about a week to maybe two weeks ago, two weeks, two weeks ago to a week ago, uh, channels were being demonetized, videos were being demonetized because toxic comments in the video in the comment sections of videos which led to very unnecessary spiraling out of control and advertising being unhappy so that was the beginnings. that was like the early rumblings of another apocalypse coming then we have a second thing which is uh behavior of certain posters or you know in the comment sections on particular videos again doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. And that resulted in YouTube losing advertisers. And I think one of the big, like for gamers, most, you know, I don't really care. I don't I don't click on the ads. I don't watch the ads. I use an ad blocker. I admit it. If you guys want to use it, by all means, go ahead. The thing is, is that the advertisers, again, caught up in this again. And they're like, no, 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 we can't have this. So you have like Epic Games, which is Fortnite. They're like, no, we don't want this. And you have other other a couple other gaming game channels studios or developers or whatever pulling out so if they don't want to advertise on youtube you know that's going to hit us and the third part is each time one of these apocalypse happens here's how it affects us like as youtube producers so we don't we don't make videos because we're trying to collect money from it. But, you know, you get a little bit here and there. Each time one of these things hit, there's a percentage drop for the same amount of views. So let's say if you had 10,000 views or 100,000 views or a million views and you got paid a certain amount of money. When these things happen, the next time around, the same amount of views generate less money. So at some point, what's going to happen is with all of these apocalypses, just nobody's going to advertise on YouTube. And if there's no more advertising on YouTube, YouTube is going to die. And I can't say that I'm unhappy about that because I think YouTube has become very toxic in the last couple of years. There's some really horrid stuff out there. But as somebody who consumes this, you know, YouTube stuff, and I support different people that I follow in various ways, it kind of sucks too because there's a lot of people that make a living off of YouTube. It is a platform, and they, you know, they're artists and whatnot. They make a living off, it and it would suck if their livelihoods were destroyed because of that so i'm hoping that maybe some other alternative comes up something viable we've been looking for a while and there's really nothing really out there unless you are streaming on twitch like crazy and you know building your followers and stuff i don't think there's anything that can stand up even with twitch i don't think anything can including twitch can stand up to youtube so you know it's unfortunate but it is what it is and that's the end of that rant so there's a rabbit hole in there really deep one And if you want to go, you don't need to listen to us. It's all over the news. It's all over the internet. You just got to, you know, look around a little bit. I'm sure you'll find.
2: Okay, so, uh, Troy, what have you been playing this week? Playing? Nothing. I've been way too busy doing something else.
0: Mm -hmm. I see.
2: Well, I think I'm in... For different reasons,
0: I'm in the same boat as you. I have not had to play anything, I think, now in like six or seven days. So, I think for this week... We should change the name of the sections from games we're playing to things we're doing. What do you think?
2: I think that's a great idea.
0: Just for fun. And then, I of course, dear listener, please let us know if this is the worst idea we've ever had and you hate it. And it's not going to be anything weird. Don't worry. So let us know in the comments when you hear the show if this is something that sounds interesting to you. So from time to time, we might do this if we don't get a chance to play because things just very, very busy. So, yes, Troy, what have you been doing?
1: Well... I have published a book. I am now a published author. This past week, I launched a book on Amazon called The Huntsman and the She-Wolf. It is a fantasy novella featuring um, gothic monsters like uh, werewolves and vampires and that sort of thing. So think of it as like the rangers from... Middle-earth, you know, the Dunedain Rangers, meet the gothic monsters of the 19th century. So werewolves, vampires, uh, warlocks, that sort of thing. And um, I've been working on it now for over three years. I started working on it three years ago, uh, doing a lot of research into how to write a book, how to plot a book. And, you know, making notes and that sort of thing, and then really writing it in earnest the last two years. So while I've been working for Explorminate, writing articles and doing podcasts, I've also been writing this fantasy novella. And I'm really proud of it. Uh, It took a lot of effort. It took a lot of, you know, sacrifice to get it done. Um, it's currently out on ebook, paperback, and hardback on Amazon, and if everything goes as planned, it should be out on audiobook next week. Let's hope it is. Anyway, so yeah, I've got a bit more work to do on the audiobook, but anyway, um, yeah, it's a major accomplishment for me. It's something I've, I've worked really hard on. I'm quite proud of, and uh, you know, if your taste's trend toward fantasy uh i think you might enjoy my book i think you might enjoy it a lot it's not a very long read so uh even if you are not prone to reading works of fiction maybe give it a try anyway i kind of wrote it with people who uh, would like to read but maybe don't have a lot of time to read in mind because that's kind of where i am i i love reading fiction but my schedule is so busy with work and Exploraminate and everything else. I don't have time to read as much as I want. And so this book is kind of for those people. So yeah, I'm glad we got to bring it up and talk about it a little bit.
0: Very cool. Very cool. I unfortunately have
1: not, I'm not a published author.
0: Well, not a published author of books, but um, yeah. So I don't have anything of that nature to report on other than having what I had said earlier in the show, having to travel for uh, family reasons and you know, as uh Ken gets older, you either travel for vacations or for funerals. And it's very sad. It's very, very sad. But it is what it is. So
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, we, you and I are pretty close to the same age and, and you go know, through different cycles in your life. You know, you 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 start off as a young adult, going to your friend's graduations and then your friends' weddings and then your friends' baby showers or family members right and then you get to the age where all that kind of stops and you start (laughs) going to funerals and yeah it's kind of where we are at the moment
0: yeah it's 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 very grim i i would much rather be playing video games than going to people's funerals not that i would forego going to a funeral it's just i would rather enjoy life by playing a video game and not the others so it is what it is it is what it is well I'm sorry if the, the show is ending on a sad note. Apologies. But like I said earlier, it is what it is. And in the meantime, thank you to our patrons. Thank you to our... You, we couldn't do this without you. Thank you to our listeners, to our watchers of YouTube. Though, if you noticed, we haven't had too much content of late. But hopefully that'll change soon. Thank you to our commenters, t- commentators on our forums because those have been hopping and some really good conversations are happening there and uh you know in general just thank you glad to be here and i think that's it for me
2: all right well we'd like to thank everyone for joining us this week we really enjoyed having you on the podcast with us this has been troy and nate for Manate. take care everyone see ya